Hello, welcome back to another episode of Otofu Susume, recommendations from my otaku spouse. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. We're back with another exciting episode. Yay. You sound excited. Yay. Hopefully that's not indicative of what you thought. No, 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 it's not. I was just trying to be contrary. So this time it was a recommendation from me to Jen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I recommended that we watch the Gurren Lagann movies, both parts, Gurren Hen and Lagann Hen, a.k.a. part one and part two. A.k.a. Gurren Lagann. Yes. Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann. Although, would it be Gurren Hen Lagann Hen if we're talking about the movies? No, because those are subtitles. Okay. So wait, so wait, so the full title is Gurren Lagann Gurren Hen and no, then no, Gurren Hen. No, 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 no. No? It's Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann Gurren Hen. Oh, God. And Tengen Topa, Gurren Lagann, Lagann Hen. Okay. Wait, there were chickens in this show? Yes. Okay. So, yes, we watched the movies. I think you, you we saw some of the chickens. Wait, what? The, the guy who beat him up in the prison was a chicken. Oh, yeah. Of course there were chickens in this movie. Okay, so we probably should throw out, we're going to talk about spoilers. Yes, there will be spoilers. Um, this is an old series the and these series, old movies. Yeah, the series came out middle of 2007. First movie came out late 2008. Mm-hmm. Second movie came out early 2009, which means that the series as a whole is 14 years old next month. Yeah, and it's kind of difficult to talk about this the, these two movies without talking about spoilers, just yes. because oh, that's how it works. Also, it's just fun to talk about robot stuff, and with that comes spoilers. Mm. So with um, so the Gurunaga movies is basically kind of a condensed version of the Gurunagan series very indicative of anime movies throughout the era yeah there's like two different styles of anime movies there's we're going to continue the story which are normally only about an hour long because they don't have enough budget like the end of uh well the first girls and ponzer movie was a full-length movie and then they started doing the slash film slash ovas Mm. and for Violet Evergarden, it was the opposite, where the first one was just an extended OVA, and then they went into a full-length film. Well, they didn't say that was a film. I think just people in the West misunderstood it as a film. The first one? Yeah. They released it in movie theaters. They released it in movie theaters because it's Japan, and they release these specials in movie theaters. Because it's not an OVA if it's not an original video animation. Actually, it would be. I guess, but those are—it used to be called video animations because you buy them on tape. Well, I guess it's an original— theater animation an original short animation i suppose but enough about that one it was kind of garbage what oh okay yeah no no the first one was the film for violet we're not we're getting off the subject we're getting off the subject we're getting off the subject <laughs> really off the subject okay so so then the second type of so of the second anime type of movies one is uh, the recap yes and they're normally they, really bad they vary wildly in quality they're normally really bad they vary wildly in quality okay i remember watching um Oh, I think I told you about it, and we worked out what the name was, and then I forgot it again. From some kind of magical girl anime that was not Madoka, and it was just, it was just bad. It was just really bad. Anyway, we're getting off the subject. Sorry, but no, they they do vary because so as a throwback, then Macross. Macross, I so good. Watched the original SDF Macross. Oh right, yeah, that and one. You'd watched Frontier. Correct. And would not seen the either the other. Mm-hmm. So I showed you. Do you remember love? And I did which not is the film version love. of the original. Mm-hmm. And you showed me the again duo film set for Frontier. Mm-hmm. 
the movies for Frontier were great. Mm-hmm. And Do You Remember Love? It was good. I just needed you to explain everything to me. Yes. And I which think is not good. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. Yes. Is that a lot of times the films don't make sense unless you've seen the original. Mm-hmm. In which case, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Now, for Gurr and Lagan, they're definitely the retelling type, as you said. Mm-hmm. They're retelling the story. But they decide to add and expand so they condense in a lot of parts and then in other bits they rework and then as you get further into the story they just decide to take off all the limiters and go crazy mm-hmm. go crazy go crazy go, go crazy, crazy. Go cra- anyway anyway so, you saw girl and lagan when it first came out yeah or close enough close enough that was when i watched it with my anime society in university which was 11 years ago now no wait we've been it would have been before we met uh, we've, 12 years ago I mean, we've been together for 10 so, yeah. years so so 11 to 12 years ago okay so a little bit after it came out yeah. but still over a decade yes and i have a terrible memory so i don't remember anything and you haven't watched it or really thought about it since no no fair enough to say like i have the iconic scenes in my head which from watching the movies was about two nice and then everything else i was like i don't remember this happening i don't remember this happening wait didn't this happen at the end and you're like no this happens at the end of the first season which means at the end of this first movie like, oh okay kind of kind of yeah they don't split the movies directly with the two seasons but i think it works pretty well where they do split them True. kind of but so i saw the original series when it came out i think i've actually brought it up in this podcast before where i've talked about how watching it week to week and waiting on each episode and mm. just all of that and how it really affected how I experienced the show. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the films as they came out almost immediately. And then we actually got the films on DVD. And we have the films on DVD because we found the special edition box sets for cheap in a secondhand store. Woo! Woohoo! Anyway. Was it a secondhand bookstore that also happened to sell DVDs? Yes. Sorry, somebody recently commented about how Wes mentions secondhand bookstores every episode, so I had to bring it up. Did they? Yes. Crap, I've done it again. Anyway, <laughs> ignore that person. Uh, secondhand bookstores are the best. So you watched it when it originally came out. But outside the films, I don't know when I last rewatched the series. But I've also got a crazy brain for small details. Oh, God, yeah. No, seriously. You mentioned something slightly tangible. And Wes is like, oh, yeah, it's this. And then lists off an entire Wikipedia page from the his like brain memory. It's how I roll. So to me... The movie made complete sense. But to you, who, as we've just said, are pretty much experiencing it fresh. That's... My memory's not that, but okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The second... Where would you put it on the scale of you can't understand this movie without knowing the original source material and yeah. this works pretty well as a standalone? From a, from a 1 to 10, I would say probably a 6. A 6. So I think you can understand it from scratch but honestly the first movie pacing wasn't the best because they were pretty much trying to gloss over all the boring bits where they meet people and then so they could really focus on the big fights because that's really what these movies were about with the big fights and showing off the robots and fighting and how cool is this so it kind of it lost a lot of the character building so then when the second movie happened and characters are like getting in relationships and having babies and then kicking the bucket you're like okay i didn't you were on screen for the movies for about five seconds so i don't actually care that much mm, they yeah they do kind of gloss over a lot of the putting the band together yeah you get the main three yeah and that's about it and then you get and a then montage. you get a montage <laughs> yeah so it's really the montage that i'm thinking of 
And interesting, so you mentioned this to me while we were watching it, was that the animation is mostly spliced from the series itself. It wasn't animated from scratch like the Macross Frontier movies. Oh, was were those? Yeah, those were from scratch. They didn't oh. have anything from the original oh. series. Yeah, there's a lot that's drawn from the original series for this. And then, as I said kind of at the beginning or alluded to, the deeper you get into the movies, the more you start getting from scratch. And I think I wonder if it's because the first movie did so well, they actually had budget to put into the second movie. It could be. But I think how they, even though the pacing was probably a little rushed at times because they had to squeeze, what is it, like 12 hours down into, no, not 12 hours. Well, yeah, about 12 hours down into four. Two seasons. What, a season is about four hours, so about eight hours. Okay, eight, eight hours. Four. I can math. So they about have to. Yeah. And added new stuff. So they had to squeeze a lot in, so I can see why they, I mean, they they spliced scenes from the anime series into this movie, and I think they did it pretty well even though it did feel a little offbeat at parts. Yeah, there's... Especially when the animation changes. <laughs> I think one of the big ish, one of the big things in the montage that you miss out is the introduction of Keaton and the Black Sisters. Mm. And that was the episode where they'd given key animation duties or director duties to someone different. And even in the original series, that one stood out for having very different animation but it's also an episode where they introduce key characters. Mm. And so there's a very quick clip in the montage because you still have to introduce those characters. But because the animation is so differently, they don't really linger on it much. They go past it very quick. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a shame. It's also a shame that the original series had that issue because um, we've talk about, talked about it off mic uh, when Western comics will have a, an artist change. Mm. And it's kind of a, it's really noticeable and it really throws you out of the, out of the reading experience. And I feel like that's probably kind of the same with anime, especially if you're binge watching an entire season in one go. Yeah, the equi- that's what the movies are an equivalent of. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a Western comic, if you change an artist when you change an arc, it's not much. But when they're it's in the middle. leapfrogging from issue to issue or something, mm. it can really throw you out. So besides pacing issues, were there other bits that brought the score down? or In terms of never seeing, seeing the series before and watching the movies... Probably all the writing on the screen is a little, especially towards the end where they're like, and then there's this robot that's this name and this robot that's this name. And here's like a whole bunch of them. and You don't have enough time to read these, but it's cool. Yeah, that's. I think that was more fan service. Yeah. This whole movie is fan service. 800% is. But that's also students learn from their teachers and then students go off and do their own things. You mean most of Gynax went off and made Trigger? Most of the team that made Gurren Lagan went off to make Trigger. Exactly. It wasn't even most of Gynax. It was like this team specifically said, hey, people like this crazy super robot stuff. Let's go make our own studio and do that. And then they made Darling in the Fucks. Yeah. Less than <laughs> better. But, you know, because what was one of the big stylistic choices made in Shin Godzilla? Mm, the giant kanji across the screen. Big text all over the screen. Kill a kill. Kill a kill. Premiere. Promare. Okay, yeah. Evangelion. <laughs> yes, but they actually gave you a little bit of time to read the text. I think they learned from their previous experience, whereas this was like bam, 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 bam. True, true. This one it does go a lot faster, but I think it also cool, but... how they do it in Kill a Kill, they more make it fit into the scene or that all better. It's not just text on the screen, but it's, it's literally in the world. It's in yeah. the world, so that can be interesting. <laughs> but it is, it's one of those things that it feels like these guys all working in Gynax picked up some stylistic choices from their senpai 
Mm. And then we're like, yeah, that's cool. Let's let's tweak that and let's make that our own and let's it's become almost a theme. Yeah, I do think if you're a Trigger fan and you've never seen Gurren Lagann before, you kind of need to watch it. If you're a Trigger fan and you haven't seen Gurren Lagann, are you a Trigger fan? <laughs> no gatekeeping, Wes. I don't care. <laughs> Ow, wow. <laughs> but I just it's just when you look at the I don't know, the resume for the people who would go off to become Trigger, it's not even subtle. Fooly Cooly, uh, Dead Leaves, the Gynax reboot of Cutie Honey. Um, I mean, shoot, even for this, the key writer who would then go off to write things like BNA and uh, Kill a Kill and a bunch of other trigger things, and who wrote this prior to Gynax, had a role working on Get a Robo. Really? Which was a giant robot animation. Yeah. About multiple smaller robots that would combine into a bigger robot to be stronger. So it's you, you see like all the DNA. I mean, uh, the key animator, or no, the director for Gurren Lagann was one of the key animators on Redline. Really. And when you look at kind of the frantic action, yeah, and, everything, and the thick black eye lines, yeah. So it, it's interesting when you do look at something like this, especially because I think I've said in an earlier episode, I think Gurren Lagann is the best trigger anime that's not a trigger anime. <laughs> and I'll probably still stand by that. Mm. But you can just see all of the influences that came together to make this and then how they branched out from that when they got onto their own studio and trigger. Mm-hmm. So what do you think they did right then? In terms of somebody who's never seen the series before yeah. like i said i think they spliced the scenes from the anime together very, very well they knew i think one of the things that was really obvious was they knew exactly what they wanted and they knew how to do it so they really wanted to show off these cool giant robots and these cool fights and these tough situations that these characters are thrown into and everything else is just kind of glossed over so they knew exactly what they that they wanted these really cool scenes so yes, you kind of needed this other information, but it wasn't that important. So we're just going to go whoop, and now we're back into a cool robot fight. Do you think that that works better when it's done as a movie and so there's less investment than as a TV show? I think it works as a movie, again, I think partially because they had the better budget in the second one. Okay. I only ask this because you're not usually the biggest giant robot fan. True. And I'm not, I'm not Actually, trying to that's say this true. judgmentally. It, prob- it probably is because it's easier to watch in four hours than in eight hours. Or it doesn't feel like as much of an investment, like you said. But not in a bad way. It's like a fun roller coaster ride. Because one of the problems with big robot anime TV series is that you can't really have these big fights every single episode. Otherwise, it just gets exhausting. Mm-hmm. You, But every episode still needs something in there so that you keep watching it. Otherwise, it's like, this is boring. Where are my giant robots? It needs a climax. Yeah. And you need some time to build that up. Whereas with this, I think they tended to have like two key big battles in each movie. And they knew how to frame the rest of the story around those. I think one of the issues that you brought up while we're watching it is one of those things that you're saying. Because as we already said, there's going to be spoilers. Now we're going to get into them. In the second movie it's humanity goes too far yes yes and no, it's that revealed was that nia is an emissary of the anti-spirals and you know humanity has triggered them and so the moon is going to fall to earth and destroy the planet make your peace because god can't save you but then there's these different waves of weird spaceships that show up out of portals to attack mm. everything and you said 
why are these showing up if the moon's going to fall and kill everyone? Yeah. There's literally no point to have them there besides to create conflict. Yes. Which is kind of, yeah. And in the TV show, those were kind of used as some of the big action scenes because at the same time, you had all the politics going on with Roshi Mm -hmm. assuming control of the city in the background, Mm -hmm. which in the movie happens very quickly. But in this TV series, that was a couple episodes that stretched out over a few weeks. So that was your action bit there. Mm -hmm. But even still, it doesn't make sense to be like, oh, we're anti-human and we're going to destroy all of you by dropping the moon on the earth. Um, Also, before we do that, we're going to attack you with robots. Machines? Yeah. I I just, yeah. Like Like I said when we were watching it, it was kind of... A little out of place. Similar to actually another issue that I, I remember mentioning was they... Okay, so they defeat the big bad at the end of... Well, not at the end of the first movie, but at the beginning of the first movie. Beginning of the second movie. Beginning of the second movie. Yes. Thank you. Um, but it also felt a little... That felt rushed, actually, because it suddenly went from the end of the first movie. Um, Kamina has bit the bullet. Kamina. Yeah, he's Kamina. Um and then it's all very sad and it ends and then the next movie starts with them defeating the big bad and you're like, wait. Hold up, hold up. Kamina doesn't die at the end of the first movie. I thought he did. No, I mean, he dies. Yeah. But that's when they take over the Daigurin, which is oh, a giant boat. Oh, yes. He... And then you have the big fight against the other three commanders. Yes, because Simon has his little breakdown. Yes. Yes. But Kamina's still Kamina's. And then it, but yeah, it ends with the fight against the three commanders oh, and they rather than where the first season ended, which was with the fight with Lord Genome. Yeah. So they defeat the big bad Lord Genome at the beginning of the, the first season, but it's literally uh, beginning of the second movie, but it's literally just the movie starts and, oh, he's being defeated. Like, yeah, wait, they're in like well, a fist fight. Where did the, where's the, where's the connection between the first movie and the second movie? They kind of glossed it. They, they didn't even gloss over it. They just missed it out completely. Yeah, I think, what was it? The end of the first movie says, we're going to make our way to Teplin, which is the capital city. Hmm. And the second movie is Teplin on fire and... <laughs> it's like walking back into the room with a pizza and everything's on fire and you're just confused yes um and then another thing was that for some reason within the span of seven years humans are able to get from underground mole people to sending a rocket to the moon level of technological jump and i know you said it's because they have all the other robots and stuff but still i think it's very suspect that they managed to do all that in just seven years a pretty sus mm. Mm, there's an imposter Exactly. Oh, wait, there is an imposter. It's Nia. That's rude. <laughs> also, they have Lord Genome's head in a jar. Yeah, but I thought they turned him on halfway through the movie. Yeah, I don't remember them saying that in the original TV show. I thought that was just Roshio hiding it. Oh, okay. Possibly. So that could be something they added to the movie or something. But it was weird because I did. I thought I did remember that that's part of when they're doing the whole secret, oh, Roshio's trying to take over the city, is that he's got Lord Genome's head in a jar. And her genome's been to space. Hmm. That would make more sense. But I think for as somebody who had forgotten the entire original series slash has never seen it before, that's a, a bit of a weird plot hole. Yeah, the weird thing is also is why wouldn't Lord, Lord... Assuming that the head is somewhat sentient and can choose not to tell him things, why would he tell them how to get to space if the moment they get to space he laughs mm-hmm. and goes, Haha, you've triggered the anti-spirals, you're all going to die. Unless it was some final revenge. But we know it's not because when Simon Shimon kills Genome originally, he goes, oh, well, okay, now it's your responsibility to take care of humanity because 
if you go into space, you're fucked. Does he tell him that? He tells him that. Oh. He's well. like, don't go into space or something bad will happen. And then everybody ignores him and goes, hey, let's fire a rocket into space. That's a great idea. Well, space is the final frontier. And the show is called Breakthrough to Heaven. And you're not going to break through to heaven by sitting on the ground looking at it. Speaking of, okay. I have one more one more nitpick. And then I want to get into the, some of the cool stuff that they did. Okay. So my other nitpick is flashback to the very beginning of the first movie. If they live underground, why the hell does Kamina wear sunglasses? Because it's cool. But they live underground. He's never been above ground before. They don't have sunlight. They don't have very bright light. He has been above ground. He says that. Ah, he does. But only once. Yeah. And he saw the sun. And then he wears sunglasses. Because it's cool. Nitpick number two. The giant robot wears sunglasses, Jen. I know. Why does a robot wear sunglasses? Because they're cool. (laughs) Nitpick number two. Kamina is such a sexist piece of crap. Sexy piece of crap? Yoko drops in and she's like, I'm fighting this giant robot. And he's like, hey, sexy, want to go on a date? And she's like, what the hell? And then for some reason, it's like, oh, Kamina, you're so amazing. I was shooting a shot. I don't see how you blame him for that. <laughs> <laughs> so those are literally like my only two nitpicks about Kamina. Besides that, I think he's a fantastic character, but feeding into that very 90s. Not even 90s, no, no. It was think, 2000s? Oh, yeah. No, not even 2000s. I think the trick that you're missing is that... Because you don't have that history with giant robot shows. Mm, yeah, some of the show is a throwback to old things. And so on some level, he and the Yoko relationship feels a lot more like, um, what's his name, Koichi and Sayaka from something like Majinger said. Because mm. we saw Majinger said Infinity together. Mm-hmm. And in that one, you know, they've gone and gotten married and all that kind of good stuff. But but when you look at how the oversex shown in teenage heroes from classic robot shows like Getter Robo, like Majinger Zed, like those things in the past, that's more what he is, whereas Shimon is very much the, oh my god, everything sucks and we're all going to die, which is the 90s robot hero. Oh. Oh. So it's kind of like the old classic giant robot anime protagonist handing over the keys to the 90s. I'm depressed and I'm writing my mother modern day robot anime. On some level, yeah. And um. so when you see Shimon, he has his whole breakdown and he's kind of like, oh, I need to be like... Kamina. Kamina. Mm-hmm. And you get Nia's telling him, you don't need to be like Kamina. You can be and yourself. So you your can own. be yourself, yeah. yeah. And so he kind of finds this middle road that's him where he isn't the overly depressed, whiny 90s hero and he's not the overly sexed overly masculine 70s 80s hero and he's able to become something new himself which okay i I actually received my criticism of kamina now (laughs) i don't know if it's because you're good at convincing me of these things but i i can see why whether consciously or not that symbolism is there and i actually kind of like that i think it also feeds into what i was saying earlier where it's you take what came before you and you make it your own and so you have a bunch of creators who are itching to do more because as we can see it in this grand scheme of things wasn't too long after Gurren Logan that they splintered off and made Trigger mm-hmm. and so they've taken what they learned from Gainax who is most famous out of everything for Evangelion I mean 
not to put shade on everything else Gynax did, but Evangelion's their big standout hit. Mm-hmm. You can look at them learning from old robot shows, working with a guy who did a lot of work on Get a Robo, and then going off and making it their own. Maybe this is me reading too much into it. Maybe it's just no. It makes sense because cool if you, and... I think I think good creatives are the kind that are constantly trying to do something new and to push themselves. Bad creatives are the kind that see something popular and try to imitate it to make money. Over and, and over and over again. And, over. and those are the companies that trash and burn. So speaking of which, how many Sakai do we have coming out? <laughs> uh, don't don't remind me. No, no. Let's not so, go on any Sakai rant. <laughs> so Kamina has his flaws. Which but is good. I think it's purposeful. He needs he needs flaws. Every character should have flaws. But I think it's purposeful. Sorry to jump in on your nitpick there. No. It was a good jump. Past your nitpicks, you said that there were things you wanted to gush about. Yes. So um, previously to watching this movie, or at least before we watched the second movie, we were talking about professional wrestling in America. Yes. And we were talking about how, or at least you were specifically talking about how there's this new group in America and they've just started up and they're kind of competing against the big name WWE. And in order to try and compete with them, they're starting at 100%. Yes. And one of the things you said to me was when you start at 100%, you have nowhere else to go. Yes. I think... That reminded me of when we were watching Good and a Gun because Good and a Gun doesn't start at 100%. It starts at, well, it starts at zero. And Shimon finds his robot and then they slowly build it up. And then they find out that it can merge with other robots and take them over and it can merge with raw robots. And so it hits that 100% at the end of the first movie, I'd say. Okay, fair enough. Because that's also kind of when Shimon starts to come into his own. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you're at 100% when the second movie starts. And then it keeps going, and then it keeps going, and then it keeps going. At the end of the movie, you're like, oh my god, this is up to like 10,000%. This is amazing. Wow. Because they honestly get to literally astronomical levels where the robot is so freaking huge, they're literally throwing galaxies at each other. Yes. Against the the big bad. Yes. Which also has a galaxy-sized giant robot. Which they explain. Yes. No, it makes completely, it makes complete sense in its pocket dimension. And I think that's one of the fun parts about it, is you're like, oh yeah, this is really, really cool. And then it just keeps going and going. And you're like, wait, when are they going to stop? And they're never going to stop. Yeah. 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 That was a lot of fun. One of my favorite bits in the movies is, so there actually is a giant robot at the end that's called the Tengen Topa Gurren Lagann, mm-hmm. the breakthrough to heaven Gurren Lagann. And in the show, that's a really big thing when it happens. It's like, oh, this is really cool. They said the name of the show. They said the ah! name of the show. <laughs> And in the movie, they decide, as part of that, taking it a step further, they were like, what if everyone's individual gunman, what if everyone's individual robot also got a super form? Mm. And then it's the super forms that kind of all come together to form the super, super robot. Mm. And so they have these new designs for everyone's robot in a super form, including Nia, who finally gets her own robot, which is awesome. And who actually does some really cool stuff. Yes. And so when I first started seeing those just pop up on the screen, when I first watched the movie, and it, even now when I'm rewatching the movie, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. As someone so who'd cool. forgotten the original series, I was like, oh, these are cool. But I had, I didn't have the association that they were not in the original series. Mm. But I did think they were pretty shiny. And it was nice to see Nier actually doing something. Yeah. Besides inspirational speeches. <laughs> she it was also nice to see cooks your cook. bad food. Well, it's because she doesn't need to cook. Everyone cooks for her. <laughs> It was nice to see Yoko actually doing something as well, rather than just, you know, standing around jailing. Yeah, she needs more support. On multiple levels. Yes, definitely. 
I would say she needs a man in her life, but she keeps killing them off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's also, it's a lot easier to go past 100% when you're not bound by reality, mm. which a cartoon isn't. That's true. But professional wrestling is. Um, to an extent. You're bound to what humans can do on a stage in front of other humans. Ah, uh, good point. You're never going to convincingly throw a fireball or a hadouken in professional wrestling like you can in a street fighter. Or break through the fabric of time and space to beat up a giant galaxy-sized robot. Yes, which is what we all aspire to in the end. Mm -mm -mm. You mean all a spiral to? Yes, very well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think we've got a very important question to ask you. Okay. Favorite character? The pig, obviously. Buddha. Well, well, well done. Yeah. Perfect answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have a figurine of him. I mean, Yoko's there too, but um, I really got it for him. Fair enough. Hmm. Who's your favorite character? Because of the ending, Kitan. Aww. <laughs> like, he's your stereotypical shonen rival character before rivals were assholes. He's the good style of rival character in that... It's a shame he doesn't get much screen time in the movie, so you don't really care about him when... <laughs> but no, but he, he is the... Yeah. And then he just gets such a great send-off. Yeah. But like I said, I didn't uh. care as much as I probably should have. We have to rewatch the series. <laughs> uh. Sorry. He also has... Uh, outside uh, of the Gurren Lagann, he has line. the best mech. Oh, he has the best mech. Okay. I thought you said he has the best line because I remember when we oh, were watching he, it and you were like, oh, this is line. It's the best. It's my favorite. It is. It is 100%. But no, but I also like his mech the best because it just looks like a giant angry moon. I thought it was a star. Is it? I don't know. I thought it was a moon. It's got little, I mean, sure, I guess the arms and legs could be a star, but maybe it's a star. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's so great. <laughs> it's got a big angry face on it. Are, are you all right there? Do you, no. Do you need a moment? I probably do. Okay. Oh, bless. You and the giant robots. I'm just really put out that there hasn't been a good giant robot anime made since. Ouch. <laughs> Prove me wrong. We watched Majinga Z. That was made. Majinga Z Infinity was a movie, and that was fun. Yeah, that was that's technically an anime in Japan. There hasn't been an original giant robot since. Ah, that is the good. trick. That's been good. Because there's actually been a couple of Majinga Z since. There was also Shin Majinga Z and... Then there was you know, Majin Z Infinity and this and that and whatever. But when it comes to originals, what do you got? Darling mm. in the Franks? Oh, boy. Um, what about... That was an original. Uh, what? A, I don't know. You know you know giant robot anime better than I do. You're just shaking we're, your head. We're, we're looking sad. It, yeah, it's... It's depressing. It's a drought is what I'm saying. 15-year <laughs> drought. If there is a giant robot anime I'm missing and I'm just like completely overlooking it and being stupid, please do let me know on Twitter, on our website, wherever. I mean, I like my giant robots. Even I guess even if it is just something else, like I know there's been a lot of Gundams and stuff, but if there's an original giant robot, please let me know. I heard 13 Sentinels is good. It's a video game, but I heard it is an amazing story and I think that has giant robots. Okay, I'll have to look into it. So roughly saying visuals great mm. uh, music's fantastic music great action scenes great mm. story lacking a little bit mm. i don't think it, it's lacking but i don't think that's a bad thing but i mean story like as in pacing the pacing and such it's a, pacing it's a is a big lacking. part of story i'd say yeah maybe a little lacking but i think 
like I said, they knew exactly what they wanted. And so I don't, I think despite the the fast pace and the lack of thread between events, as long as you're willing to sit back and enjoy the ride, you're going to have a good time. Nice. Worth watching? Yes. Actually, the next day I told a coworker what I'd seen and she was like, oh, I've actually, um, my husband's really into it, but I've never seen it. I was like, oh, yeah, you should definitely watch the series then. And um, I think she's going to finish it this week. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good enough for you to recommend then. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the original series because of pacing, but yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm glad that you liked another recommendation then. Mm-hmm. It's always good to hear that. That's because the conversation is a lot more fun when I actually enjoy the recommendation. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's like, oof, this is awkward. Uh, remember those divorce papers we have hidden away? Wait, what? What? I'm joking, I'm joking. Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, that was an episode of My Recommendations <laughs> by Andaku Spouse. <laughs> you can find us online at www.annabrosecreative.com. Or on Twitter, Annabrose Creative. As I said before, go ahead and leave me messages with robot shows I've missed. That aren't Darling in the Franks because gross. And, <laughs> and you, Kenny has bad taste. And, you need to throw that in there because he likes Darling in the Franks. Does he? I thought he did. I didn't think he did. Oh, well, we have to blame Kenny anyway. Fair enough. Hashtag blame Kenny. And if you have any other thoughts about this episode or even anything you'd want us to look at in the future, go ahead and let us know. And if you know anybody who's seen Gurren Lagann and would find this episode entertaining, feel free to share it with them. Thanks for listening. I've been Wesley. And I've been one. Well, I almost said I've been Wesley as well. I've been Jen. Been. <laughs> Bye. Bye.